good day to you wherever you are. Hopefully spring is doing you well. Um, it's beautiful here in Virginia and uh, trees are flowering, grass is greening, mowed the, mowed the grass a little bit for the first time this season. Turned over some gardens with my tractor, planted some potatoes yesterday and uh, it's just a beautiful time of year. I love spring. The biggest thing for me here specifically um, is we moved here in the spring. I first visited this exact area um, in the spring, I don't know, five years ago. Um, we had come to this vicinity, to this region, you could say, oh, I don't know, 10, 10 years ago, 11, um, I don't know, probably 10. <clears throat> I never get my dates right. And then when I go back and listen to these podcasts, I'm like, man, that wasn't even right. When I stop and do the math and I get all ridiculous about getting everything exactly correct. It doesn't matter, does it? Whatever the case, we first visited here, specifically where we live now, in the spring. Um, a couple weeks ago, actually to the day, to be specific. And so then we moved here three years ago, this time of year. And so there's just something about the spring, which is already awesome in and of itself, about this time of year for, for me personally, um, obviously how we ended up living here is, is, a, is a very moving experience for me and the call of the Lord um, to lay my life down in many ways um, to come here. And, uh, you know, it was just a real, it was a real season of obedience for me um, to lay aside everything that, that we knew and that brought us comfort and um, kind of the, the ease of established living. My business was well established and provided for everything we needed. Um, you know, we had a nice house that we had owned for several years. And, you know, we were living a good life. I mean, things were good. But the Lord really kind of put this before us, um, not as a demand, but as, an, as, as a choice. You know, will you and should you than these things? And, of course, we said yes and yielded our wills and have been here three years now. And this time of year, like I said, is just very meaningful to me. Um, a lot of good memories in the springtime. So I hope you're doing well. Wherever you are and whatever you're tending to, whatever your hands are are tending to in your life, um, your families and your fellowship of believers and whatever the Lord is speaking, I really do hope that, that this is a good, profitable season for God's people upon the earth. Um, I have some thoughts this morning. Um, not, not real extensive 
or not even very well thought through. Um, but again, just kind of on the whim of, of a train of thought um, in regards to yesterday morning, my son and I were out running errands, picking up some stuff for the farm and getting some things accomplished. And I had the radio on. We were listening to radio. And they broke in um, after the end of a song and said, you know, we have some very sad news. Um, and kind of made it, you know, dramatic as radio does. Any kind of media, of course, has to squeeze every last drop of drama out of any situation. Um, that's kind of what keeps it going, of course. And so, you know, they proceed to say, you know, the the building Notre Dame is, is on fire, and, you know, they use all these big words uh, to capture our attention. And I was intrigued, of course. Um, admittedly, I don't know, like, a wealth of, of information about its history, um, obviously I knew it was hundreds of years old after talking to Kristen, my wife, she of course told me much more about it. Um, she's more learned than I am on many matters, um, that it is much older than, than I originally assumed. Um, but I did know that it, you know, has a lot of religious history and contains a lot of artifacts and, um, memorabilia, I guess you could say. I know that's not a very religious word. Memorabilia, that sounds like a baseball card shop. Um, but again, we're talking, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking physical things here, paintings and, you know, valuable, of course, within its context. But whatever the case, I just kind of knew a little bit just of what this, this structure means to people, like what it represents, I guess. And so I thought it was intriguing as a spiritual man, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. And, you know, I thought, huh, well, this is interesting. And I don't, I want to be very clear to say I'm not over-spiritualizing this. And I feel like I could, I feel like I could really like turn on the drama button and like, and, and I don't want to use like I don't want to just squeeze something out of something else to make some point, okay? I'm not trying to, like, establish some deep spiritual word of the Lord within this event. I'm not doing that in any way. And I'll, I will preface it. I could do that. I feel like I could be very creative and, like, you know, give myself to thinking through something to explain what this really means. What is this meaning? You know, and I'm not doing that. I'm just thinking somewhat topically about it. But what really stood out to me the most, and this is kind of where I want to go, um, I believe, in this thought, is I saw an image. I looked it up this morning to kind of see what ended up transpiring throughout the day yesterday. Um, and of course, I saw that they did extinguish the fire. It maybe wasn't quite as devastating as they had thought it might be when it came on the radio and they were using these big words of total devastation and destruction and there won't be anything left and, you know, we know how that goes, right? And, you know, everybody loves to get excited. 
whether it's in sadness or excitement with that turns to happiness you know we are a people who in our present culture just want to be stirred give me something whether it's a tornado or mass casualties or war or celebrations because every day i see there is it's national something month why well we are a people who are void of such true right stirring I would say, in our innermost places, we are always grasping for emotion. You know, give me, give me something to that, like, at least mimics a true stirring in me. Give me some emotion to make me feel something. Because you know what? I just don't feel anything. Right? Is that not our culture? They experience plenty of things. There are emotions. But I don't know that there's real, deep-seated, established, rightful... Oh, I can't even think of a word to, to really differentiate between what I'm trying to express. Like, we are meant to be an experiential people who walk according to our inner, unseen, spiritual man... But only as God intended. And so all I'm saying, and I don't want to get sidetracked on that, is just like, there's no shortage of emotion in our culture today. I mean, we go to, we, our culture, to be very clear, go to movies, and we go to sporting events, and we go to concerts, and we go to super-duper, over-the-top, production-heavy, theatrical megachurch, and we are constantly assaulted with... Emotion. Anything to stir our emotion. I mean, that's really my biggest beef presently with like our modern church movements is like church leaders today believe and are probably very, they're very right in, in much of the understanding, except there's a major flaw. Um, you know, we, the, the modern day church has basically designed a formula, if you will, they believe, they would say, and I've heard leaders say this almost word for word, we've created a formula that really moves people into the presence of God. We kind of, we've, we've figured out how to move people from where they are to where they need to be. We have found a formula, right? I mean, that's really how it's presented. And it's lighting, and it's certain songs in certain order with certain crescendos with certain themes and you know what if if you're believing that the spirit of god is is an emotion and god's presence is signified and verified by man's exuberant response or passionate response or something that stirs the emotions of men if that is in fact our definition of being quote, being in the presence of God, then yes, it would look as if there has been a formula established. We are doing that. But I guess the question, of course, goes, is that really our goal? Is that really what we're looking to do is just to be emotionally touched by God? Because that's not really a pattern of the scriptures. We could get into all the 
ways of how natural men responded when God spoke or when an angel of the Lord came as a messenger speaking the word of the Lord to a natural man, how people responded when Jesus appeared after his resurrection, all these things we could talk about, right? But I mean, it's, it's very elementary to me. I know people get wrapped up in movements. I know I've been there. Thankfully, as I say often, the Lord has spared me from being, I would like to say, spared me from being one of those tent follower type of guys that have to have a, a moment every day of like encounter that like, if I don't have that, I don't know God and he's not here. Um, or if I don't squeeze out some tears or if I don't jump up and down enough or whatever it is, the, the formula that fits a type of approach to the Christian living definition, I guess, you know, whatever it is that we individually see that as meaning. And so, of course, I'm off topic, should there even be one. But it's somewhat related to what I want to present. Okay, so I saw this picture back to the Notre Dame uh, situation. Um, and I'm, I'm sure everybody knows, I mean, that would hear this is that it burned. Um, I don't know. I've, I don't know. I have no idea if there's, they've already found a, a reason, what's the source behind it, or who knows. Maybe someone knows. I don't know. And even if they told us, I don't believe that stuff anyway. Um, call me a conspiracy theorist. Whatever the case, we know it burned. Extensive damage. Um, but what captivated me, I guess, is a, a picture I saw of the interior of the structure. And it was very charred and burned, and, and it was filled with smoke. And, you know, I looked, of course, at the description of the photo beneath to see kind of what I'm looking at. And it basically just referenced the inner sanctuary at the altar. Um, and basically the, the present condition at the time of that photo was it's pretty burned up and smoky and, you know, the, the wood that was within that altar area was, was still smoking at the time of the photo being taken. And, and I just thought that was interesting in light of what we've been looking at here in our fellowship over the last 30 days or so about um, living sacrifices and Old Testament practices of uh, the temple and sacrificial living and living on this side of, of the new and living way that Jesus came and rent the veil and fulfilled the former and all these things. So I was obviously along that train of thought already, and so I see these pictures, and I just thought of a simple, a simple assessment of what I was seeing that really struck me as somewhat profound, yet simple, yes, is that what I was seeing is really... It's, that is how, that's how the altar of God works. And if, hopefully I can explain what I'm saying as I kind of elaborate that. 
The altar of God has a purpose. It had a purpose in the Old Testament times, and it has a purpose today. Okay? The Old Testament pattern we know, of course, and I, I will say at the outset there are hundreds of thousands of men now living, and of course those who have gone before me who understand this exponentially more than I do presently and ever will. I'm no Old Testament scholar, although we have been looking at it. I spent maybe seven, eight years ago really looking at it, and you know we've been we, we kind of keep that in our context of, of discussion in our life. We don't believe it's just old, outdated stuff. We believe there's great wisdom to be found within it. Um, and we believe it's a tutor. It leads us to Christ. It, it teaches us something that leads us unto the fulfillment of why it was intact at the time. And so I was just thinking as I saw this picture of this inner area with the altar and it's covered with smoke. And of course, moments before, for hours, it was literally burning. And I was just captivated at the thought of like, the altar of God has a purpose. And it's very simple. Again, I'm, I'm, I, I hate having to repeat that, and so I'll just stop. It is to present something to God according to His terms, according to His requirements, according to His pattern, to be found pleasing before Him. And we know the Old Testament ways were very specific and very, man, if we were to explain them, just very gory and graphic. And like, I don't think that we really properly understand even just about the blood and like the quantity of what took place when there were the sacrifices of the animals, whether it was bulls or lambs or whatever the case, that just the visual of what took place and then bringing that before the Lord. And all the Old Testament references I was thinking of when I saw that picture of the smoke filling the temple, that God's presence often was signified by a pillar and or the presence of smoke. We had the pillar of, of fire. We know the fire by night, the cloud by day. That, that was, by God's choosing, obviously a representation of himself. And there was, that was often, often signifiers of his presence in the temple. That, that was just a demonstration, if you will, of, of God's presence. And, and, and then I was thinking about just the New Testament reality of the living sacrifice of, of now, because God has moved from without to within, and now we are His temple, He chooses and, and finds it actually pleasing to indwell a people Instead of buildings made with hands, there is a building. We, we read that in Scripture about being the, the perfectly fitted and ordered and framed building, the house of God within men. And the same principles continue throughout unto now. Um... 
And, and the fact that the presence of God is going to produce one of two things every time. One, well, let's just stick, let's just stick with the singular. It will consume. God is an all-consuming fire. He consumes. His presence consumes. Period. Okay? And so with that thought in mind, and with that image kind of in the background of my head, the presence of God will do its work. He, God himself, the eternal Yahweh, will do his work when he comes. He is a consuming fire. And so his so that is the that is the singleness of the attribute of God. Consuming fire, period. Okay? But there are two potential outcomes from the facet of God of his consuming fire characteristic. You will be burned. You will be burned up. <laughs> There will be a consuming, right? But the options that come out of that is it will either bring death and destruction unto death or it will be bring death and destruction unto life. And I hope I can word whatever's bouncing around in my mind correctly so that this becomes at least somewhat clear. Because the the consuming fire God will consume our flesh. It will either be in judgment or it will be unto a pleasing sacrifice that arises up to him now as a pleasing aroma to his nostrils as we see in the scriptures about there is something that ascends from the smoke of the consumption of our life that when we present ourselves upon the altar of God through the mercy seat hilasterian of Jesus the Christ, the forerunner who went before us and laid down his life, when we get into that way, we then are also, by joining in his death, the sacrificial death, the lamb, the spotless pure lamb, we then can be burned. We can be consumed. We can be upon the altar of God and release a pleasing aroma up to him. Or in judgment that consuming fire can come. We are not in Jesus the Christ, the spotless lamb, but instead we are in guilt. We are deserving of the guilt response. Burned up unto destruction. But we are not meant for destruction. We are meant to live. We are meant to be preserved and to be presented as holy and blameless and righteous before God. And so I'm just thinking this morning, and I only have a 
I literally have like a minute before I've got to stop. And I was hoping I'd have a little more time, but I just don't. So may that just be clear even in just a few minutes of discussion. That we have been given away. We've been given away so that when that fire comes, it is actually for the good of the sacrifice. And it can be beautiful and refining and unto the purpose of becoming a pleasing sacrifice, an aroma up to the throne of God himself that he welcomes and receives and longs to know. Or it can be for our destruction. Now listen, this is complex and we could go there and if I had time, I would. It, we will be destroyed, y'all. We will be destroyed. But we will either be destroyed and consumed unto life or destroyed and consumed unto death. It was appointed for man once to die. Right? But Jesus came, why? That we might live, that we might have life, that we might have abundant, vigorous, incredible life in him, in the spotless lamb. So friend, be be convinced the fire is coming. If there's no fire present in your life, I'm just going to ask. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to charge you with the thought, you had better get in the fire now. You had better place yourself within the refining fire of God now because that is in fact coming in greater measure. And it will either consume unto destruction and death or it will continue the process of consumption unto greater life. And those are the two options we have before us in regards to the consuming fire reality. Do we welcome it? Do we see the need for it? Do we desire it because the sacrificial life now living? By choice, no one takes my life because I lay it down. I bring it to the altar surrendered unto Jesus Christ, the pure and spotless lamb, so that he can be my mediator. He can be the one in between myself and God. He will be, and he now is, my high priest, seated upon an eternal throne that no man can, now does, or ever will possess or sit upon. He is all-sufficient, preeminent, and he is my way unto the Holy of Holies throne of God. And he presents me as himself, pure, spotless, acceptable, holy and righteous unto Yahweh God. Are we sure that that is our daily sacrificial life? And if it is not, may we step back and say, Lord, what is it you desire in me to be laid upon that altar? Because a consuming fire is coming.
A consuming fire is coming, and it's gonna it's going to burn up things like that building that have been established by men for years and years and years, and even greater than that, it's going to consume ultimately the ways of man that have been established since the beginning of time. That will be the culmination of the ages is a consuming fire. Can we not say that that is why that is what the earth itself is destined for? The judgment of God will come. But the judgment of God is not meant to be feared. It is not meant to be dreaded. It is not meant to, in a, in a wrong way, looked at with trembling of, what if I'm going to be consumed? It is to be looked at as rightful fear and trembling as the scripture talks about that great and terrible day. Now there is an appropriation of that day, of that activity that is overwhelmingly strong. And I am in no way making light of that because of course there are thousands of people who believe, hey, I'm in Jesus, whatever. I'm good. I got my pass. And if you listen to this at all, you know I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is there is a place to labor unto presenting myself to Jesus the Christ as my mediator high priest so that I am constantly in a place of saying, Lord, I bring you myself. I bring you my life. I surrender my life. I lay it down myself as a sacrifice that is alive and redeemed. And I welcome your fire. I welcome your consuming characteristics and qualities, however that comes in my life. I won't fight it. I won't resist it. I won't try to put it out. I see it as necessary and good and right to sanctify me unto Jesus the Christ, being more glorified and seen in me. The purpose of God in a man. And so, may that speak to us today. Because that fire, it's coming. And it now is. It now is for any of those who would receive it and welcome it and give themselves to it by will. The people that were in Old Testament times that were not in the people of God, they were not God's people. They weren't bringing sacrifices and offerings unto Yahweh. They more than likely, because the culture at the time, they did it to other things. Man-made gods. But they wouldn't bring it to Yahweh because they had no purpose in bringing anything to Him because they were outside of the people, the nation of God. And so if today you call yourself someone who ascribes to the government of God, the government of Yahweh, and you consider yourself in him as his representation on the earth, 
then we must be found approaching him as he describes. So may we do that today. And may we do that tomorrow. And may we do that in the days and weeks and months and years that remain in our life. So that when that great time comes, when that terrible day comes, we can say, I joined myself with that while I was yet living in flesh and bone. This is no surprise to me. This is no new idea to me. I started this when I surrendered my life and I was made a new creation by Jesus the Christ. So I welcome what remains. I welcome the purification unto life, the burning away. May it not be a foreign idea to us when we stand before the eternal Yahweh God. May we not be surprised at the burning off. May it be we are already fiery hot because we've been presented rightly upon the altar before him in our days upon the earth. Amen.